Welcome to Episode 5, Season 2 of The Dave Witty Show. I'm your host, Dave Witty. As always, folks, this podcast is brought to you by Lamb's Rum. Lamb's, one of the top choices for Newfoundlanders who love the authentic smooth taste. Enjoy Lamb's Palm Breeze today with a splash of Coke and Lime Wedge. Or for something different, try Lamb's Spice on its own on the rocks. Lamb's the best choice for hard-working Newfoundlanders, and at a great price, find Lamb's Rum at all of your local NLCs. And don't forget, April 3rd to April 30th, uh, with every purchase of a 1750 milliliter of Lamb's, receive two free uh, Lamb Sociables. Uh, that's a great little deal. Uh, thanks so much to everybody who's tuned in so far. Big thanks to my pal Dan George for coming on last week. It was great catching up with Dan. If you happen to find yourself with the ECMAs, uh, go find Dan. He's playing with a bunch of bands and a bunch of different artists. So I uh, got another real fun episode this week with um, Brad Dunn, who's a local author. Uh, Brad's been working as a freelance writer and editor since 2013. His work explores Newfoundland and Labrador's culture and history through horror and gothic fiction. He has published three novels, After Dark Vapors, The Gut, and most recently, The Merchant's Mansion. Uh, and his nonfiction has also been published in national publications in the Literary Review of Canada, Mazenouve, and The Walrus. So stick around for that one. We had a great chat all about Brad's new book and a bunch of different cool stuff that in regards to writing books and even uh, how to get published and, and all sorts of different things. So had a great chat with Brad. Make sure you do stick around for that one. Um, lots going on over here. Uh, had a fun weekend this weekend myself. I uh, got down to the Newfoundland Growlers game with a bunch of my buddies. I'm not sure if anybody's seen it, but we were the crowd in the corner with the beer pyramid, which was absolutely hilarious. Uh, there was 12 of us that went, a bunch of my buddies that kind of grew up with. And uh, uh, one of the guys reached out about a month ago and, and said, listen, there's uh, 10 or 12 of us going if you want to come, blah, blah, blah. And so we all went down and we ended up sitting right on the glass and uh, turned into a hilarious night where we had a beer tower going and they had us up on the big screen and it was it was a real fun night. Uh, thanks to the Growlers for hooking us up with some big Marys afterwards. And if you missed all that, go check the Growlers social media because it was uh, it was really funny. It was a really funny night at the game and the game was really fun itself. The Growlers won and it was really fast and uh, it was really fun to watch the game from down low on the glass like that. So uh, Growlers punched a ticket to the playoffs. It's gonna be really exciting. It's especially in St. John's here when um, the playoffs do start. So um, looking forward to that for sure. Got a real fun show coming up this Thursday. If you are listening right now, it's probably Wednesday. Uh, so tomorrow for you, playing at the ship with my pal Mike Bercy. No advance tickets for this one. We're just doing $10 on the door. Mike's going to open up, and I'm going to finish off. And, um, you know, most most folks have the next, next day off, so... Um, Nice and easy night. We're going to be playing some tunes and, and no worries about having to get up early for work the next day or anything like that. So if you are looking for some tunes and looking for a nice nice evening out, head down to the ship pub and, and uh, come see your boy. Um, what else is going on here? Uh, Son of a Critch finale happened, I mean, last night for those listening today. Uh, tonight for me, looking forward to catching the last episode. Been really, really enjoying this series, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Mark Critch absolutely nailed it. And all the people who are associated with it, all the actors and all the writers and everybody who's who's been a part of this. So uh, big congrats to the uh, Son of a Critch crowd. Uh, crowd sorry, um, They've been absolutely awesome. The show's been really, really fun. We've been, we've been enjoying uh, tuning in every week and uh, looking forward to, uh, to see Season two, which is which is awesome for not only the show but everybody who's working with it in the province and all that stuff. So hats off to uh, the son of a critch crowd. Um, had a wild weekend down here at my place, uh, downtown St. John's, uh, two weekends ago now since we last chatted on the podcast. I was uh, playing a gig at Kelly's and I got a call from um, from Taylor and she said that. 
there was a house on fire just three houses up and if you know anything about downtown st john's all these houses are connected so it was a pretty spooky evening um house caught fire unfortunately one of the one of the men inside uh didn't make it out it was really really sad it was a it was a crazy crazy night the house went up caught up really really fast and uh Man, it was crazy night here on Coronation Street. It happened around 11.30 at night, and uh, they were battling the fire all night till like 3.30 in the morning. So um, just want to send my condolences out to the uh, the family of, of, of um, the gentleman who, who passed away in that house fire. Just three houses up from mine. Pretty, pretty scary stuff, no doubt. Um, what else was going on? Managed to catch a ton of sports, obviously. This is probably the best time for sports besides... Well, I'm not going to say besides. They're both really fun times. I mean, the end of... End of September, early October is also a lot of fun because a lot of when, you know, hockey's starting up, basketball's starting up, usually the baseball playoffs are, are, are around the corner, and it's always a really fun time, football season, stuff like that. But this is also a really fun time of year. I mean, getting into NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, um, look good golf on the go, good good baseball. Uh, managed to catch, obviously, Brad Guju, uh, you know, it's been representing Newfoundland and Canada for so many, so many years. Uh Won a silver medal at the World Championships in Vegas. Uh, lost to Team Sweden. But it was a great outing from uh, Team Gujo. And it looks like that's probably going to be their last hurrah as, as the foursome that they have. So uh, congratulations to Brad Gujo and their team on uh, silver medal. Uh, Jays are open up this weekend. This team is so fun to watch. I mean, Friday night game, if, if you watched it, it was so fun. Um, they were losing 7-0 and I'm coming back. Um there's so much to say about this team that the, the offensive power is incredible. I chatted a lot about this with Brad, so I'm not going to dig into it too much. But it was uh, it was a really exciting, really exciting weekend of baseball, and I'm looking forward to uh, to a whole season of the Blue Jays. I'm really, really pumped about uh, about the Blue Jays for sure. Um, the Leafs secured a playoff spot. Uh, Matthews broke a record. Uh, Leafs are, are are in a good, pretty good position right now. Really playing some good hockey. Um, got about I think there's nine games left, so. Uh, Still got lots of lots of time to kind of uh, to tune up and, and get ready for the playoffs. It's going to be a crazy, crazy playoffs. I mean, we really need the Leafs to get out of the first round this year. I'm so sick of listening to people. Okay, we'll do it in the playoffs. Okay, well, I, I really hope that they can do it this year anyways. Um, so, obviously going to be tuned into a lot of Leafs hockey over the next couple weeks. Uh, the Raptors punch a ticket as well with the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. They'll be playing against the Philadelphia 76ers, which is going to be a great matchup. Joel Embiid and, and Harden. This is another thing that me and Brad got into as well during our chat, but um, you know, just wanted to throw a few things in. That, you know, I am really looking forward to the Raptors. I think they're going to be a tough tough opponent for, um, for the 76ers, uh, even though they have so much firepower over there. Um, the Raptors are, I think, really underrated defense and I think that they have a lot of offensive power as well that that goes unheard of. So um, looking forward to the Raptors and seeing what they can do in this this playoffs. Um, watch the Masters as well. Obviously, a big golf guy. I love watching golf, love playing golf. Once the golf courses are actually opening up in, in Newfoundland this weekend, I've seen the, the Wild, the Salmon Ears opening up, and Pitcher's Pond, which is out close to my cabin, is opening up. I think the uh, the Willows has already opened up. So uh, great to see that kind of happening, that transition happening in the spring here in Newfoundland. But did watch the Masters. Didn't overly find it super entertaining. Um, obviously, a lot of talk about Tiger Woods and all that stuff, but he didn't really have a great, great weekend. Uh, Scott Scheffler, he was just incredible again. Pretty much ran away with it, which didn't really make it a whole, whole, uh, or didn't make it very interesting, in, in my opinion. It was it was fun to watch, don't get me wrong, but he, he pretty much just... Um, 
took over for the whole weekend and and uh and and that was pretty much it so um other than that guys that about does it for me really looking forward to the show at the ship this week uh and it's easter weekend so not much else going on for for me musically um just really looking forward to this one at the at the ship on thursday so if you are out around come on down and uh and hang out and listen to a few tunes uh other than that stick around for a great interview with my pal brad dunn And I'd like to welcome Mr. Brad Dunn to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today, Brad. How you doing, man? Good, man. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, real treat. Um, first off, you know, congrats on the on the newest novel. Uh, Got to be exciting to get that finished and and kind of uh, out to the world. You know, how does that feel? It's good, man. Like third book, but uh, the novelty hasn't worn off yet. So always stoked to get it out there. Yeah, but imagine it's it's got to be similar to... Um, Oh, you're like the O-Dog right now on Overdrive with the cat coming through. I love that. Yeah, it's Guillermo. Hey, Puth. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, I would imagine it's it's got to be similar to, you know, something like myself putting out an album. I mean, you kind of work on it. It's a lot of ideas that go into it. There's a lot of different parts and all that, all sorts of things that go into it. And kind of when you get it out, it's it's then what happens then? You kind of got to start promoting it and try to get it out. Uh, what are some of the ways that you would go about promoting like a new novel that you do put out? How does that How does that work? Uh, well, like everything now, it's like social media is big with uh, the biggest thing, like, you know, developing your channels. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty big on like Facebook and Instagram. Uh, beyond that, I don't really don't really mess with Twitter because a place is a cesspool. Um, but yeah, like and then I do like events uh, like farmers market, getting out there for signings uh i also did an event with uh memorial university last week they do uh they usually do every year it's, it's called like the sparks literary festival but then with covid everything got uh delayed for two years so this year is the first time we've done it now for a couple of years and i did this event with a couple of other authors and a, a former prof of mine uh so that was cool to get out there and talk about uh horror in newfoundland yeah yeah so um this being your third novel i mean your third book um titled the merchant's mansion um let's talk a little bit about the book itself you know what it's what it's about kind of where you got the idea or you're just, obviously there's several ideas that go into it and all that stuff what kind of how does that all unfold for yourself i mean how long have you been writing it like uh you know and, and essentially just what what is the book about yeah so the premise of the book is uh it's basically like a haunted house in outport newfoundland uh this dude the main character named nick o'keefe his parents buy an old like merchant's house, like a merchant's mansion. And uh, they're, the plan is to like redo it as a and b as like a retirement uh, project. But then uh, they start acting weird and um, he has to step in and he throughout the story basically finds out that there's like a, a presence haunting the mansion and uh, kind of messing with his parents. So he's got to save them uh and you know the idea is just like I've, I've always loved haunted house stories like uh the shining uh haunting a hill house that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and uh i've always wanted to, to to write some kind of story like that and just uh also interested in newfoundland history so it's just kind of like the two of them just kind of fit in pretty easily and uh it actually didn't really take me that long to write this one i'd say probably like four or five months all all in i got the the draft in yeah so like, how does that work exactly? I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not familiar in writing books. I'm a, I'm a writer in a different sense where I write songs, but I mean, a song is only three minutes. And sometimes for me as a songwriter, 
songs kind of fall out fast or, you know, they take a while and you kind of got to build on different ideas. You got to build on different things. I mean, for someone like yourself, like do you kind of come up with a, a basis of, of where the story is going to start kind of the middle part, middle grounds of it and end, or you just start writing and kind of see how it unfolds. How does that work? Yeah. It kind of, you get different ideas at different stages of the process. Like uh, my first novel uh, after dark vapors, I got the idea for the, like, basically the climax, like the conclusion first, and then just kind of like unraveling, pulling the strings. But uh, I think this one, this one more started out like as a premise, um, just like this idea of a, of a haunted house in Outport, Newfoundland. And then it kind of fills in from there, but it's like, it's, it's pretty messy. A lot of the times, like you get an idea um, and you just file it away and it just kind of sits on a shelf for weeks, months, years. And then all of a sudden another idea comes along and they click and uh, you got a story. Um, but, you know, I remember like, cause I used to write songs. I played in a punk band. We used to play a lot of shows together, but a lot of the times it was like, when I wrote songs, I found that it was, you'd, you'd hear a song, like you'd hear like, you know, like no effects and you think, oh, well, like you learn it and you learn the chords, and you learn the riffs and you learn the melodies. And it's like, yeah, I'd love to write a song like this. And then a couple months later, you get, you're just noodling and an idea comes across and you're like, oh, well, I can kind of play it similar to what no effects did. And now, now you've got a song, right? Like now you're kind of off to the races. Um, that's, yeah. OTR, baby. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a messy process that um, that I'm sure like you, you probably understand as well. But it, it, there's no like each like I've written three novels and I've written a lot of short stories and stuff. And they, they never really they never really come together the same way. It's always a different kind of journey with each of them. And it's more like um, just learning to kind of be a bit hands off with it and just let it work its way uh, on its own. I find it very interesting that it's it's Newfoundland related. I mean, I find that really neat. Is, is is Newfoundland itself something that you draw inspiration from? I mean, is that where you would kind of come up with some ideas? Do you find any inspiration from any other places or people that you might you might know or or different things you've seen? You know, in Newfoundland. Yeah, like I I love Newfoundland history and culture, and you know, I I when I started my uh, writing career, I moved to Toronto, like a lot of people for a lot of reasons, but uh, I decided to come home because I felt like there were a lot of people who were actually interested in Newfoundland stories. Um, and so I, I, it felt like something that I could embrace. And, and I, I know a lot about Newfoundland history just because my family's always been passionate about it. But, um, and I don't need to tell anybody that Newfoundland culture and history is very unique and it's very, um, fun to explore and the, the, the history is very rich here um and I for me like I write like horror for the most part um and for me I just felt like a lot of books about Newfoundland were very like uh, the term the, the, the term is literary realism like it's just it's, it's very like it's there's not a lot of invention to it let's say like there's nothing like supernatural it's just kind of like a, a regular story about people living in a community or something like that and I just felt like there was room for uh more uh supernatural more uh invention uh to the the literary scene here 
I think people are, are in, seem to be interested in reading about it. Yeah, I was I was going to ask, you know, like what what has been the response so far? Not only with this book, but I mean, your previous ones as well. What's the response been like, you know, not only in Newfoundland, because I'm sure you obviously have a lot of support in Newfoundland, um, you know, with with regards to, you know, the uh, the books and the, and the ideas being based in Newfoundland and stuff like that. But what has the response been like outside of Newfoundland? Have you gotten much feedback from from other people like that? Yeah, like I, you know, network through the magazine articles I write and stuff and people in the mainland, uh, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, that kind of stuff. And, and I think, and, and a lot of people kind of, what they say is like, Oh, I didn't know that the history was like this or like, it's a different way of engaging with history that doesn't feel like, uh, like spoon fed, like the mm-hmm. way, like the government probably wants, you know, Newfoundland Labrador culture, department like, wants people to engage like the idea it. of maybe basically essentially putting out a, a um uh you know a video once a year showing that newfoundland looks like it's sunny all the time when it really isn't <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like um and part of it is like you know the darker side of newfoundland history which i think people find interesting but also um it's just a different way to explore it that i think a lot of people you know, they see maybe something a bit more traditional, a bit more, you know, vanilla, and they're just kind of like turned off by it. Like, but uh, I think people are, again, like, they want to learn about Newfoundland culture, because they know it's this, like, unique, weird province. In the yeah, country, why do you think, why do you think that people are, or why do you think people find that so interesting? Is, is it because we're so old and there's been so much history and I mean, it's so unique, especially to the rest of Canada in the sense, especially outport Newfoundland. I mean, St. John's is gradually starting to kind of turn into, you know, basically other parts in Canada. It could be definitely compared to that, but I mean, outport Newfoundland is still very unique. I mean, why do people find that interesting? Well, I think you said like, we were so isolated for so long and there was like things that kind of hung around uh, stuff like, you know, a lot of the mysticism and pagan stuff from Ireland came over, like the, with the fairies and and, mm-hmm. and um, that stuff kind of took hold and, and hung around for generations. Um, and like a lot of like antiquated stuff from old British culture that just kind of got a foothold here and didn't change. But also because we were isolated just like things grew around us that is different from even like Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. Um, that's very, you know, uniquely ours, like stuff like, you know, well, the history of this complicated, but like the street chin, for example, uh, mm-hmm. is very much like a thing uh, that's iconic for Newfoundland. And also like, you know, outports are all individually, they all have their own little, folklores and their own little ghost stories and all that kind of stuff so it's just it's isolated and it's, and it's different from anywhere else in canada and uh f- to be frank like i think like a lot of canadians probably got like a bad rap from us thinking that we're all a bunch of drunken fishermen and that's all we kind of do but i think when they they're they're interested to dig a little deeper and and, and find these kind of interesting pockets um that, that we have to offer. Have you had many conversations with people who've maybe read the books and, and thought, oh, damn, this is something that I didn't think or or they've reacted differently than a way you might have thought originally? Yeah, like my first book, um, After Dark Vapors, is about like a residential school, is mm-hmm. a residential school in Labrador. And I think uh, a lot of 
like Newfoundlanders were were surprised that um, that these things existed uh, in the province. I think a lot of people are very unfamiliar with that and the extent um, about some of the stories that happened there. Uh, so I think like even Newfoundlanders are um, unfamiliar with some of their own history uh, because a lot of our history has been neutered by yeah. the government and by, you know, the schools. And, you know, like I remember in school, we never really learned about uh, the Beophics. It was no. just kind of like, yeah, there were some people here and then uh, <laughs> we came and then they, they, they're gone. Uh, so like, you know, not, not really into the nitty gritty of what actually happened. So I, and, uh, I think now like with stuff available, um, on the internet and stuff, people can, are curious and they're hungry for it. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, especially with, with everything that's gone on in, in the last couple of years, I mean, with, with residential schools and stuff like that, I mean, it really kind of has opened up a lot of people's eyes and, and, um, yeah, like, like you mentioned, I mean, like not ever really learning about the Beothics or, you know, the native side of our, our provinces has been incredible, really, that it's not really a, a learning part in our, in our, in our education. I mean, it's, it's, it's really weird, actually. But I think it's starting to change now. I think it's slowly starting to transition a bit where people are starting to learn about those type of things. And I mean, they're very important parts of, of our history. There's no doubt. Yeah, like a lot of the stuff that I write, it's almost like me wanting to learn about it. So like this book, The Merchant's Mansion, I was always curious about like, what was it like for people to live with a merchant in the community? Because like he basically kind of like controlled the community. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I'd recently written an article for the Literary Review Canada about uh, old Sam. I read that actually. I was, yeah. was going to ask you about that, but go ahead. Yeah, it was just like, interesting to learn about how uh connected newfoundland was to the slave trade and how like salt fish would go down to uh, the caribbean to feed uh the slaves because it was like a cheap uh source of food and obviously like you know there was the the triangle of yeah. like england newfoundland the caribbean back up to england and you know that's why we have you know, that's why like molasses is so popular here. Mm -hmm. Why like dark rum is so popular here. All the, all that stuff came up from the Caribbean. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I guess with that stuff being so easily trans transported, I mean, same with like, that's why the fish was salted because it could be transported and easily used. I mean, and basically they were just trading back the, the goods back to us. I mean, it's, yeah, it's very, very interesting. There's no doubt about that. Um, the artwork for your book. I mean, if you're watching on YouTube right now, for anybody who's watching right now, Brad's obviously his background right now is, uh, is the is the cover of his latest book, The Merchant's Mansion, and it's uh, it's very cool. Can you talk about that a little bit and and who who did that for you? So like the I got the idea for the cover based on uh, and a lot of like the book itself. I I got the idea from I think it's called Bleak House in Fogo from the top of my head, but it was a, a merchant's mansion. It had this cool little like um, front foyer Detail. or something yeah like kind that. of thing like it almost looks like a like a watchtower kind of thing sure, yeah. on the house which i thought was really cool and uh one of the uh, publish and one of the editors at my publisher engine um i kind of said you know i'd love to do something like you know a spooky looking house this is kind of the way i want it to look with this front little watchtower thing um but i kind of wanted to be like i don't know like dreamlike mm -hmm. so she actually made like a paper mache model of the house and oh, then geez. she took a digital picture and then kind of ran it through some software to kind of give it uh, a bit of a, 
a surreal kind of feel to it. So that's something that the publisher, like they take on that role or that's not something that you would commission on, on, a, on, on its own individual basis. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I like, I like to work with a publisher because I don't, uh, I'm not interested in the business side of, of stuff. Like there's a lot of um, self-published authors in, in Newfoundland and they make good money, but they're, they're really into the business side of it. So, you know, if you're going to do self-publishing, which a lot of authors do, you're going to have to, either commission an artist to do the cover for you or you'll have to you know draw on your own skills to do it i've never been much of an artist um so that's something i i delegate to them yeah i mean you know for anybody who's probably listening who's kind of unfamiliar with with writing and i mean and you know starting out on a novel and stuff like that and getting books published and, and those type of things like maybe you could talk about a little little bit about what the role of a publisher is for someone like yourself and, and you know, what they provide and, and, and the relationship between both of you. Yeah. So for me, I've published three books with engine now and um, I have a relationship with them. And, and at this point now it's more like, do you have a book for us this year? And I'll kind of hand it off to them, but it is very much like I do the draft I'll, I'll, I'll do the first draft of novel. I'll give it to them and they'll either say like, Oh, can you change a couple things? Or they'll be like, this is fine. We'll give it to, um, are they ever like, this is shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that I, ever I, happened? I, not for you, but I mean, does that happen yeah. with other people or I guess it must at some point, does it? And <laughs> rejection is part of the game. Like, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's in anything in the arts. There's no doubt about that. Like I, uh, my first novel, I, I sent it to breakwater first, uh, who are the biggest, probably the biggest publisher in Newfoundland and I didn't expect them to take it. It was just kind of like a moonshot because they don't really, they don't really do uh, like horror or anything like that. But yeah, I got rejected from them. Like, and uh, short stories, you know, all kinds of rejection and uh, you know, as a freelance writer pitching ideas for stories, you get rejected. Um, so like now, obviously my first novel with engine, I went to engine after breakwater and they took it right away um but yeah like they reject authors too and uh they do short story anthologies where they'll reject um authors who publish novels with them so just it's just like you gotta just like have a bit of a thick skin when it comes to that kind of stuff because mm -hmm. especially when you're in, unless you're like a big big name you're you're going to face a lot of rejection all the time mm -hmm. uh you know unless you have like a relationship with a publisher and an agent or something like that so like if, if someone's listening to this and they want to start sending their stuff out there i would just say like first of all just get used to being told no um, <laughs> yeah no doubt and like if someone tells you no don't throw a tantrum <laughs> because like you'll burn that bridge and they don't want to deal with you like they publishers they have no time or patience to deal with like diva personalities mm -hmm. um so like if you get told no just kind of be like okay thanks for your time uh and move on yeah yeah move on to the next uh potential publisher um but in terms of what a publisher has to offer versus going the self-publishing route is uh if they're a real publisher because there are a lot of predatory publishers who are trying to take your money and are basically just interesting like you're just doing self-publishing, but they're taking, taking a cut. Money for, they're <laughs> taking a cut for no reason. Um, but like a publisher should be eating the overhead in terms of like hiring an outside editor, because like 
you know, I, I do professional editing work, but you still need someone else to look at it. Like, you know, it's good to get that outside outsider perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll take on the costs for like the cover production, advertising, you know, all kinds of stuff. And they'll also kind of like hook you up with some, you know, promotional um, opportunities, uh, even though I kind of reach out and do my own thing, but like, you kind of have to get used to doing that anyway. But uh, those are all things that, that uh, you know, publisher has to offer um, on top of like, you know, there's still some, how would I say it? Like snobbery where like people kind of look down on self-published authors, even though I, I don't agree with that. Uh, but, you know, having, having a name behind you you know, money talks. Right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, having a name behind you gives you that kind of sense of legitimacy. Um, but like a lot, and a lot of too, how I benefit from having a publisher is uh, they like, they know the Amazon game and how to advertise on Amazon mm-hmm. and how to kind of like boost the algorithm and that kind of stuff, uh, which is like its own beast. Like it entirely. Is, yeah. like Amazon is, is a, is a giant and, you know, you have to be able, you have to know how to use it. Uh, and I have no patience to learn how to, <laughs> how to be a vendor on Amazon. Yeah, no, I, I can relate to that. I mean, it's, it's every day is a, is a grind. I mean, with, especially, you know, doing stuff. That, so was, would that be a role that, 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 uh, the publisher would take on as well with regards to like shipping out books and all that stuff? Is that something you do or they do as well? They handle that. Okay. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. Like if someone buys a book through the website or through Amazon, like, mm-hmm. I have nothing to do with any of that. Right. Like I get, I get messages from people like on the mainland. They're like, I ordered your book uh, through blah, blah, blah. Like, will you sign it? I'm like, man, I don't, I don't like touch I won't that. even see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I have no idea where that comes from. Like some warehouse in Toronto or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, so yeah, like people order them. I can't like autograph it and then send it to the mail, unfortunately. Right. Right. Um, you did mention earlier, I mean, especially like about having, you know, thick skin and, 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 being prepared for rejection, but what other kind of advice could you offer up maybe to a young person who's contemplating starting to write a novel or has an idea to start or something like that? Like what kind of, you know, simple advice would you tell somebody who is a younger person who, who might want to do something like that? Yeah. Like whatever your age, like if you want to start writing, you like, this is going to be like kind of stupid sounding, but you just have to write. Like, I know like myself, I went through it, but I know a lot of friends and they come up to me and they're like, Oh, you know, you're writing these books. I wish I could write books. I have these ideas, but, and then they kind of like discount their ideas before they even start. And I think like, you just got to get over that. Like the sooner you can get over that, the, the, the better you'll be. Cause like, you know, no one starts off doing something well. Like when you pick up a guitar for the first time, like some people, yeah. Like some people can make chords quicker than others, but like, your first year playing guitar, you're going to sound like shit. And yeah. uh, you're also not going to be writing like, you know, original unique songs your first year. Like you're going to mm-hmm. be ripping off what you listen to. Like, you know, if you listen to a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers and your first couple songs are going to sound like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And, you know, if you tried to release it, you'd probably get sued. Um, is that similar but- with, with regards to writing a novel? Like is you kind of, you know, obviously you have different um, authors and stuff who you, you look at, look up to, and you've read a lot of their books and stuff like that. Is, is that kind of something that you probably did as a young person as well? Yeah, for sure. Like, 
I, I've been writing since I was a little kid. And, and when I was a little kid, I used to write books that were like ripoffs of Goosebumps, basically. Right. Um, just like, here's a werewolf. It's at camp, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. Or like you're at the beach and there's a giant squid. And this is all kinds of stuff that like I'd read in, in Goosebumps or comic books or something. Uh, and a lot of people are like that where it's, and I, man, I only like, I don't know if it's Twilight or Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, basically, Fifty Shades of Grey started out as like a Twilight fan fiction that she put on the internet and people told her it was good. So she just changed the names of characters and basically published that book. So like she was just ripping <laughs> off Twilight. Right. Uh, so like <laughs> even if <laughs> you don't even have to be good, like don't even <laughs> don't even worry about like if it's good or not. Like there's a lot of shitty authors selling a lot of books. Um, so, uh, yeah, like just this was something I learned in university uh, when I went to like a lecture on it or something. And basically what they said is that kids up until grade four will write stories kind of the same way that they'll play with like blocks or Legos or whatever. And it's at grade four that they stop because that's when they start learning about like grammar and like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. That's not right. And this, and so they get, start getting like in their heads, like, Oh, I can't, it's not fun anymore, basically. And I think that's kind of what, and you just like, you just keep going like that until you're an adult and, and people are just like afraid to write bad. Is, is what it comes down to. I mean, I mean, and, I can totally relate to that because I, I feel that as a, as a songwriter. I mean, I felt like when I was 15 or 16 or seven years, I would write everything and anything. And I, I always thought it was good. And I find even these days, I find myself struggle more because I'm like, oh man, that doesn't sound like you pick apart so much, maybe because I have material out and you're trying to live up to that or you know, you're worried about what other people think of you, where as when you were younger, I didn't really care about that as much. And now I feel like I have a bit more of a career where I feel like I have to put something out a certain way. And yeah, so I can totally relate to that for sure. Yeah. And, and most people that I meet who tell me they want to write, but they just can't bring themselves to do it. It's like, yeah, that's usually what it is, is they're just self-conscious about the fact that uh, it's either like, you know, ripping off something that they like or, or, you know, it's just not up to their standard. And um, what I would say is that you don't have to show people like what you write. Like, you don't even have to be like a published author to to enjoy writing. Like, you can just same thing like yourself. with musicians. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so there's so many musicians who just play in their basement and, you know, they're great. And people are like, oh, you should like give themselves make an album and and they're like no man i just like i just like playing like it's just something i do maybe sometimes i play with some friends and it's fun and uh, i would definitely encourage that for people like if you're just home and you want to write like some story about batman just do it like no no one's going to kick down your door and arrest you like (laughs) just write it and just like something fun to do in your spare time yeah, no doubt. Uh, another real neat thing you do. I mean, um, you also write for magazines doing different literary reviews and certain things. Like I was kind of doing some research on you beforehand. I, I seen that real neat article that you mentioned earlier on Old Sam. I seen some other thing on like uh, Nanaimo bars and like there's all kinds of different things there, which is pretty, really cool. I mean, it's all sorts of different things. Um, you know, the one about Old Sam was really, really neat. I really enjoyed that. Uh, how does that process even happen to the point where, like, you'll get published in these magazines for these different articles? Do you pitch these to people or do they come ask you for material? How does that work? 
sometimes I pitch um, like the old Sam article in particular with uh, the literary review of Canada mm-hmm. and like I published stuff with them before. So now I have like a relationship with them and every now and then they'll reach out and be like, Hey, I saw like with old Sam, the editor, my friend was like, Hey, I saw that they're changing the cover now. Like, do you want to write an article about that? And they give me like pretty free range in terms of how I want to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like a lot of times, like, and again, if someone's listening to this and you want to break into uh, magazine writing, you, you know, if, if you don't have a relationship or you don't have like networking with some of these, you will have to like pitch them like, as a cold call, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, we call it the slush pile uh, in publishing. So you'll have to like go to the website, look up like submissions and they'll have like a guideline for what to do and like follow the guideline. Like that's big time my like advice if you want to break into like magazine writing take your time to like go to the magazine and look up like how they want you to pitch stuff because if you don't do it properly they'll just ignore you exactly yeah three months later you'll be like geez i wonder (laughs) what's going on and they're like no we just didn't read your pitch because it's not how we ask you to submit (laughs) so like save yourself some some wasted effort and uh, do your homework on that but like pitching is like an art into itself like learning how to pitch an idea um and i could probably talk about that for like an hour but basically um just google like how do i pitch an article idea to a magazine and you'll find some some stuff and usually what it comes down to is you have to do like a fair bit of work like on spec on speculation um like you can't just be like hey i'd love to write an article about old sam and then the magazine probably be like like what like what's what's that supposed to mean like what's the story uh so you know you'll have to do some digging on your own and find some kind of uh angle Mm -hmm. um so for example like another article that i wrote about a couple years ago uh for a magazine called maison of in montreal was about uh you know the history of this region and like even mainland most mainlanders even know what the screeching is so you can't just be like i'm going to write an article about screeching they'll be like well what's like what's the new angle you're taking and so the idea was like um you know the screeching is about spoofing the idea of the goofy newfy and it's kind of like a anthropological thing where smaller cultures come up with these little rituals to welcome people from larger cultures so like the screeching developed uh i think like well on the one hand there was like the the actual shot which happened during world war ii when like american and canadian soldiers were coming here and bars would kind of give them the the rum but then um the guy keith vokey i think that's his name yeah yep. at christians his dad was developing a kind of um little ritual thing for like teachers and the liquor board found out about it we're like hey we'd like to like take your idea and and combine it with our with this thing with the screech um and this this would have been the 60s so like kind of like getting a bit more into like an alternative history let's say of of the screeching um you know because i think (laughs) the liquor board and a lot of bars like to play up a kind of like romanticized history of it which uh which isn't really accurate but uh, right right yeah um is that something like obviously there's two different kind of ways of writing i mean your novel is a fictitious book where you create everything in it whereas 
review of something like old Sam or the screeching or something is, is, you know, it's the opposite way. I mean, you're literally reviewing something or, or taking your own thoughts on, on what that, that process may be. Is, is there one you prefer or are they both just kind of like different outlets of, of ways of writing? Yeah, they're like different ways. They're like different ways, different muscles to flex, um, mm-hmm. different um, ways to use your brain, basically. Like some people, obviously, they only write nonfiction or they only write fiction. But I enjoy, uh, I enjoy both. And, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of the fiction I write is like informed by the nonfiction stuff I'm interested in. Like, so obviously, like Newfoundland history, I do a lot of research into that. And it just kind of comes out in, in my fiction. Do you like do you, fiction is like it's just there's no rules like you can just exactly, write about yeah. whatever you want like you know if you were like I want to write a book about haunted houses merchants in Newfoundland and Alzheimer's disease it's going to be like what the hell do those three things have in common but if you put it in a novel and you attach it to a story you can just write let your imagination run wild basically yeah, no, that I find that very, very interesting. Absolutely. Um, I know recently you were at the farmer's market just the past weekend promoting the book. Is anything else like that planned in the future coming up? Or And, and how does that work for yourself at the, at the market? You kind of just hang out and chatting with folks who are stopping by for, for a chat and looking up the book and stuff like that? Yeah, like we'll have a table there. Um, yep. Engine has a table and they also have different authors that kind of come each weekend and so i was there and uh you know selling the book and people who just come across the table start, start up a chat um don't, i don't know if i have anything officially planned but i've done other events like uh the fall i was at uh, a convention in uh, mary's town uh which was a lot of fun um and this summer there's going to be a couple uh sci-fi and the rock is big mm-hmm. um and there's like avalon expo uh gander geek fest there's another one in clarenville so a lot of these kinds of things are well first of all it's all coming back because covid is is finally yeah i kind of wanted to ask you about covid as as someone like yourself and and what you do i mean did covid play a role in slowing you down or did it help you in any way or how how did that that kind of work because like obviously for somebody like myself i couldn't get out and perform but i mean did was there any things that kind of played a role for you to yeah like you say either slow you down or or maybe you had some extra time to kind of work on on new things or new ideas yeah like uh all the conventions were true yeah canceled like sci-fi has been canceled two years in a row so that's big and um doing like panels and stuff at those events are, are all great ways of promoting um and also like you know chapters uh mm-hmm. go there and 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 uh we've also had launches at like bars and i think when we launched uh terra nova which is at an the, anthology at the embassy wasn't it i believe yeah so we did yeah. that at the embassy that was like when the first wave had finally slowed down and they yeah. were like well you can go to bars if you wear a mask and you got to contact tracing and there's all yep. kinds of rules about all that kind of shit so that we did that when that finally started to cool off a bit so um but yeah like my day jobs that i've i've worked during covid none of that stopped so it was just like oh i kind of wish i'd gotten to take some time off so i could work on other projects but yeah no doubt uh for anybody who's listening at home where can they find um where can they find the book uh, best place is like the farmer's market and uh and amazon 
if you if you look up me up on Amazon. Uh, but I think too, like we usually got books at Elaine's bookstore downtown, and uh, sometimes chapters with chapters can be a bit of a nuisance dealing with really local publishers. Yeah, um, but uh, I don't want to bash chapters no, no, too much because no. the people there have been very nice to me. But I wish like the company would just be a bit more chill about. Yeah, you'd think like I mean, especially, I mean, how can I word this? No, never mind. I'll, I'll leave it. Um, <laughs> I mean, basically, I just, they take a big cut of your profit. I understand that. Yeah, I just, right? I just mean like, uh, like you know, there's probably a lot of writers and and stuff like that from Newfoundland that could probably fill out quite an amount of of and and sell quite a few books. I mean, from there, but it's it's like. Um, I was trying to think of a comparison in, in, in something else, but I, I couldn't quite get it anyways. Um, so yeah, so we can get, you can get the book online obviously and uh, at the farmer's market and all that stuff. So that's great. So yeah, by all means, make sure you do check that out. If you are listening at home, um, I know it's, uh, it's also on Kindle unlimited. If anyone has. Okay, that. cool. Right on. Um, I had, I got to ask you because I, as I'm chatting with you right now, you do have a blue Jays jersey on. Did you manage to catch any of the games the weekend? <laughs> It's funny, my cousin, uh, my cousin Craig Edmonds, he was uh, he was up there. I think he saw like at least two of the games, but he was there for opening night, which, which was, was insane. And, One of the yeah. most insane baseball games ever. It was like playoff baseball. I went to bed at like, and it was uh, seven to nothing, I think. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Jesus, poor Craig went and <laughs> took the trip to Toronto. And oh, he, came, he went up from Newfoundland. Oh yeah, and oh, uh, <laughs> he, well, he got there. a I'm good like, game. Yeah, you just yeah, went. and I was like, poor Craig. He went to opening night, and they're getting just shit in the bed. <laughs> and then, next, and then I wake up next morning, and they're after winning like ten to eight or something. I was like, holy fuck! Yeah, Craig saw one of the best opening nights in yeah. history. Well, I mean, it's you know, especially with COVID being on the go the last couple of years, there hasn't been full. The, the the stadium hasn't been full. I think that was the first home opener since 2019 in in Toronto. It's actually their first. Um, what was it? I read the first home, a uh, first first game of the season they won since 2013, whether it be on the road or at home. It's like, even that alone is is, is an interesting fact. I mean, so yeah, what a great game to get up to. Um, I think it's going to be a really fun season this year. I'm I'm really hoping I can get up myself and and catch a few games. I mean, the lineup is you just can't mess with this lineup. It seems like any single night. I mean, they can bat around the ball. They can they can hit um hit for hit for average. And they also hit for power as well, which is which is very exciting to be watching. Hopefully, the rotation. I know we were chatting a little uh, a couple of days ago in in group chat about about the pitching rotation, and hopefully that doesn't let us down because it seems like that's what kind of happened on Sunday past. There, I mean, once they start getting rolling here, it should be should be interesting. Obviously, it's been a long off season off and stuff like that, but uh, hopefully the, the pitching rotation is, is is. I think that's going to be the key here to it all. Yeah, they can't expect buys to be hitting. 10 runs a game exactly <laughs> like, yeah you need you, there's gonna be games you need to get some starting pitching for god's sakes like come on <laughs> i know you're a, a big hoops fan too so i figured i'll ask you while i got you here um they basically announced i mean i think there's is the regular season over now i think it, i think it ended yeah. last night i think yeah because yeah. playing games start i mean folks listening at home right now will be listening on wednesday and uh, we're recording here on Monday, the 11th. I think the playing games start Wednesday, and it looks like the Raptors got the Sixers, uh, which is going to be a crazy, crazy series, I think. Um, obviously, the the, uh, the Sixers were just in town in, in Toronto last week. Uh, Raps squeaked out a big one, 
big win against them. I mean, I think they can go up against them. It's going to be interesting to see how Embiid and Harden play. Obviously, there are two big pieces in Philadelphia there. Um, who was I seeing? Uh, Thibble um, on Philadelphia. He is uh, unvaccinated, so he won't be able to play in the games in, in Toronto. Uh, he's yeah. a big defensive, def- big big defensive key for them. So um, I think it's going to be a good series. I seen Shaq last night uh, yeah. said the Raptors are going to get swept, but I don't know. Yeah, I I, I think they got a good chance to take the series. Like, you know, this isn't the the um, Dwayne Casey raps where they no, that's right. Find ways to lose. Like, <laughs> they find ways to win. And I think they. I think they're like three and one against Philly this season. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're a really good defensive team who, Oh man, she's one of the best in the league. Absolutely. They seem like Nick nurse seems to have Embiid's number. Like I know it seems like he just always eats his lunch. And, uh, I don't know, man, like Harden doesn't seem to be his old self. And they seem- gave up so much to get him, man. It and- seems like he's like doing this like pass first thing now, like, which is like, He's a good playmaker, but that's not like that's not the best version of him. Like he should be shooting like that that step back, that step back three. He does. He just doesn't seem to be doing it anymore. I don't know what's what's his deal is, and he's not getting the fouls he used to. So, I'll ask you, know. you um, what's your prediction on the first series for for Toronto? Yep, and Raptors and Sixers. Raptors. I like if if Raptors win, I think they'll it'll take them like six or seven games. Um, and I also think like Doc Rivers is going to find a way to lose too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I could see them taking it in seven. Um, but like if they, if things don't go according to plan, I could see them like probably losing in five. If, if like Hardman and beat start like really clicking. Yeah. No but doubt. yeah, like it, it will be a big deal that they lose Matisse Thibault for, for two to three games. Like that is a big piece of their, of their puzzle. Did you see the Lakers are uh, actively uh, recruiting uh, head coach Nick Nurse? <laughs> I don't think they're allowed to even talk to him. Unless, I know. Unless uh, um, uh, Masai says so. Yeah. So I think it's just, I think that's like LeBron. Them, yeah. Them trying to satisfy LeBron and um, what's his name? His agent. Yeah. Um, the the age just seems to have like insane amount of power in the league. Well, I guess if you're if you have LeBron, you probably do have somewhat of <laughs> a bit of power, anyways. He also um, represents uh Simmons, Ben Simmons. Oh, so like <laughs> he seems to have a lot of drama going on. <laughs> I seen I seen that there's talks of him coming back for the first round. I mean, I don't know how that's going to work out either, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. What do you? uh I'm going to ask you one more prediction question. Um, Blue Jays, how many wins this year? Man, I would be disappointed if they don't scratch a hundred. Like That's right. I'm not, about there too. Yeah. You know, if they're not, if they're not like a well, I mean, if they don't get up to a hundred, they probably won't make the playoffs. So like, no, no. Um, I definitely, if they're not like at least second seed in that division, I'll be, I'll be very disappointed. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, that was great, Brad. Thanks so much for uh, for popping on. I do. This is something I've been doing. I mean, every every new episode on this uh, the second season, I've been doing kind of a rapid fire question segment, which is nothing to do with kind of the reason I have people on. Um, it's just more of a bit of fun and kind of get to know the people who I'm who I'm chatting with. Uh, you okay with that? We got ten rapid fire questions. You okay with that? Yeah. No lease I- talk. Didn't want to go there. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
this man. Give her. Actually, it's funny because I was I was I was reading Jose on. Uh, oh, I was on. Um, um, I guess you have like a blog, Brad, the like the on WordPress or whatever. And I, I started in as I read it last year on your just absolute trashing of the Leafs uh, after they got. Oh. Knocked I felt out very by the spicy halves. when I read that. Oh, when I wrote that. <laughs> well, I felt spicy reading it. I was just like, ugh. Anyways, the Habs got 51 points this year, so I don't really care. Um, <laughs> no, that was awesome. Thanks so much, obviously, for chatting all about the new book. I mean, if you, if anybody is listening at home and, and uh, want to check that out, by all means, uh, look up Brad Dunn and look up the Merchant's Mansion and uh, and support local, of course. That's what we're all about here. All right, you ready for the uh, 10 rapid-fire questions? Bradley Dunn. Uh, question number one, Big Mac or Baconator? Baconator. Ooh, I would have went the opposite. I'm a big, big Mac guy. Um, what is the last song that you listened to? Jeez, uh, I listen to music all day at work. It's, uh, it was, I think something by Thelonious Monk. Okay. All right. <laughs> Would you rather cheer for the Leafs in a playoff series or never eat pizza again? <laughs> I, I'd have to, I'd have to swallow my pride and cheer for the Leafs. Yeah. as a guy, I like that. I love it. Um, <laughs> who's Brad Dunn's favorite hip hop artist? Like of all time, all time. I'm 50-50 between BC Boys and Wu-Tang. I'll, uh, I'll go BCs. BC Boys at 51%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what, what would be your favorite restaurant to go out to in St. John's? Or Mount Pearl or CBS or anywhere really. On, in, you know, say, let's say Newfoundland, sure. There's a spot up in Greats Cove called uh, Greats Cove Studios. Yeah. Like- they uh there's also like an artist retreat there and stuff yeah but i'll just plug it because the place is awesome and yeah uh, i love uh Bacaloo trail that area but uh the guy he's from grace cove originally but he moved to korea to teach and he met a woman from louisiana i believe and so they came home to uh grace cove to raise their kids and- yeah they do like artist residencies out there i think like uh, musicians go out there and will spend a week or so and and it's like a writing retreat and then you get to do performances as well it's it's a that's a really great place yeah they got you, artists let- and they got musicians and the food is like it's like a blend of like newfoundland traditional uh like cajun louisiana stuff and even a little bit of like korean so the food like is amazing i love it do you still have a place in northern bay your family yeah my family my mom's family is from northern bay we have a a, a family cabin there basically do you get out there often at all or not as much as i'd like um you know hopefully every every summer i say this is the summer i'm gonna (laughs) get out there every weekend and i don't do it but what's the what's the what's the little fish and chip spot there Hogan's. Hogan's, man. Hogan's is good, man. That is Hogan's some, unreal. That is some good. Oh, my heart chips. broke when I saw it burn down, but uh, I think it's like think all, it's rebuilt now. It is, yeah, yeah. I think it's all rebuilt and, and and back up and running. So happy to hear that because you gotta hit hit a fish and chips uh, when you when you're out in Northern Bay. I mean, it's, it's one of the oh, best. Uh, unreal. Um. All right, I've got a mathematical equation for you. Okay. Oh fuck. Okay. You can write it down if you want. It's not too hard, but it's <laughs> it's pretty pretty straightforward. All right, I'll do uh, my best. Twenty five times four. Don't don't say the number out loud. Just okay. you, you you keep it in your head. So twenty five times four. 
minus 18 plus 96 equals plus what? <laughs> 25 times 4. Okay. Minus 18. Yeah. Plus 96. 168? <laughs> Did I fuck that up? <laughs> I got to check. Oh my God. This is the best. Oh man, I'm actually dying. Yeah. Minus 18. Plus 18. <laughs> oh man. It's not even what you said either, but it is wrong. I did. We're just both dummies. Yeah. Oh man, that was the dumbest. Uh, uh, all right, let's move along here. Um, Simpsons or Family Guy? Simpsons. Uh, what's your favorite no effects song? Of all time. Decline. Oh, geez. I don't Classic. know if that's cheating, but. <laughs> nah, man, it's their song. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. It's like a whole album, but uh, yeah. <laughs> fucking love Decline. What is the last movie you saw in Feats? It's called X. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a cool movie. It's like, it's like a horror movie, kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, last question in the rapid fire segment. Do you know what time BB is on tonight? <laughs> <laughs> 12 EO. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. I love it. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, Brad, man. It's been a real treat catching up with you. Really appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, always a laugh. Make sure you do check out Brad Dunn. Check out the new book, The Merchant's Mansion. Uh, really appreciate it, man. No, thanks for having me. All right, we'll catch up with you soon, brother. Cheers. Huge thanks to Brad for coming on and talking all about his new book, The Merchant's Mansion. Uh, was a great chat with him and, and a lot of great information in there. I mean, for anybody who's maybe thinking about starting to write or, or has an interest in that, I think there's a lot of really good information in there. Um, and if you are, you know, um, a fan of, of local authors and, and, and um, you know, horror and, and gothic fiction, by all means, check out Brad and, and check out his other books, After Dark Vapors and The Gut as well. Um, that about does it for me, guys. Not too much else going on. Really excited about the show at the ship, as I mentioned in the intro. Um, head on down to the ship Thursday night, and, and we'll see you then. And um, other than that, from downtown St. John's, Newfoundland, I'm Dave Whitty. Peace.